welcome back, I hope, to the show Living with Climate Change. Today's show is going to look at how we can reduce our impact on the environment individually. And, but first, uh, I want to talk about uh, a little bit, respond to the last show, and then I want to share with you a very uplifting story about nature and how we can restore nature. So uh, first, now I want to talk about the last show that I had and I called it uh, State of Our World. And I was basically, I was trying to give a generalized look at how I think that the world has gotten better over the last hundred years and uh, despite our uh, uh, harsh impact on the environment that has led to climate change and uh, so there were some things that I, I want to talk about especially with uh, Africa so I was talking about famine mainly and, and war and how these things have gotten so much better. And a part of the argument is that I think that the world will continue to get better. Um, but let me, because uh, I, I feel I need to talk about this, that I was talking about the major wars and uh, I, I, it, to me, it seemed like the last horrible, you know, time in the world uh, was during the Vietnam War, and there was a famine in Bangladesh, and then we had the killing fields in Cambodia, and I personally, I just think of that as the last really bad time uh, for in the world. Um, but I overlooked uh, this uh, that I want to talk about now about Africa and how we can... Now I said that the world has gotten better and I think that Africa ha has been left behind in, in many ways. And the United Nations uh, knows this, obviously, and be, that's why the the number one goal in the Sustainability Development Goals is to end poverty, and that is mainly um, because of Africa, Sub-Saharan Africa, not all the countries. Um, so that is a a, a a bad thing that still is going on in the world. Um, this Congo war was was brutal and they don't know the exact death toll but maybe five million people and it's called the African World War and it uh, um, it really is considered the worst war since World War II so I wanted to mention that and uh, 
I had just kind of forgot about it, you know, uh, just because, you know, there's so many things to think about. Um, but I did a book report called The Bottom Billion on a book called The Bottom Billion in grad school by Paul Collier. And he did discuss what he called development traps and the reason that Africa, many of the countries are having so much trouble to get out of poverty and, and quite horrible conditions. Uh, and it just, it has to do with uh, bad governance and, and maybe landlocked countries and, and resources and, and uh, corruption and uh, uh, many things that are quite unique that, I mean, people have dedicated their lives uh, to try to help Africa and it continues to be a, 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 a very serious problem. And there are other countries that are in this bottom billion. Um, but I still, overall, like I said, a uh, hundred years ago, uh, you know, 75 million people were in poverty. And now, um, even though there's all this suffering, at percentage wise, you could say that. Uh, you know, that's what 15% of the world now in, 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 in bad poverty. Uh, so Africa continues to tr struggle and many other countries do. And I know there are many problems still in the world. And if we solved climate change or we didn't have climate change, there would be problems. I, I imagine also. Uh, but I was, uh, you know, I say I forgot about Africa, but that's because I'm, uh, I'm forgetful. But uh, last year I, uh, I applied, I wanted to go to Africa and teach environmental education. And I spent weeks uh, contacting universities in many of the countries that, that are English speaking. And I, I talk to some people through, you know, emails and I apply to some universities and spend a long time on uh, applications. Uh, but it, it, it never came through and I didn't get a job. I wanted to really, I wanted to go to Africa and see it. So anyway, I just, uh, even though there are these, we're still struggling and many people are, that I still believe that the, the world has gotten better and I believe that the world will continue to get better even in the face of climate change. And we will see, we will live through this. I hope to be around for a long time, so I will see, we, we will live through this together and see what happens. Um, all right. Now, I want to give some good news. Uh, 
a story that I read about. It wasn't a published story. It was on a blog. And it was a, a, a guy that told a, a short story. And it made him very optimistic about the future of, of our environment and nature. And I would like to share that with you. Uh, this guy, I don't, I don't know where he lives, but uh, he bought a a six-acre south-facing uh, property, um, and it had been farmed uh, for decades, and it was uh, very degraded. And there were no, there was not much wildlife, and no frogs, and 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 butterflies, and and snakes, and all these things. And he, and this was nine years ago, and he restored that. And so he knew what he was doing, and he put in some bioswales, and he said he planted two thousand trees, and he put in four ponds, and native plants. And uh, so, like I said, that was nine years ago. And uh, the funny thing is he actually got uh, the, the local government uh, didn't like what he, how his, his yard looked because it was not a monoculture green lawn. And he actually had to defend himself. And they finally uh, decided that they would say that his whole yard was a garden. <laughs> but let me tell you now what that property, that six acre property now, he explained it. And he said, there are insects all over. There are monarch butterflies all over. That you running into spider webs. He said, you can hear frogs in the ponds. He sees snakes, fox, ducks, skunks, groundhogs, hawks eagles and too many birds to name and I think this is a a symbolic example of what we can do and our knowledge and how much nature wants to live if you make the conditions right for them and I know the planet's warming but I don't think it's over. And I think we have a chance to really, we have time, we have the knowledge that we can make this a harmonious planet. It's up to us. Uh, but I hope, I hope that uh, maybe you got something on that. I, I think it's quite uh, um, enthusiastic news. So, uh, this show won't be too long, and I know you, you know all about uh, probably, uh, you know, making uh, ways to, to uh, reduce your impact on the planet, and there are many videos about that, but uh, I want to share you maybe just some things that you might not know that might be helpful. So, let's... Uh, Let's go through this a little bit and uh, 
see if we can learn something. Uh, so the first thing uh, I want to talk about is uh, just basic consumerism. Uh, we know that uh, whenever, whenever you buy something, that sends a message to the business, the company, uh, that you you like this and you want, you know, that tells them to produce more of it. So anything we buy, um, you know, we are we are sending that message, and that is, for instance. If you don't want fossil fuels in the world, if no one bought them, then they would stop producing them. But we know at the moment that that's very hard to do. Uh, but that's the idea that, you know, to vote or be political in that way. Watch what you buy. Um, if you're well off, then I can't imagine not buying energy efficient appliances and, and renewable energy, buying renewable energy, thinking about solar panels or wind or whatever you can. Um, and we know really that the more money you have, the more impact you have. And so that's the responsibility of, uh, if you make a lot of money, then uh, you, you're, uh, you have more of a responsibility to the environment and nature. And if you, people that don't have very much money are not uh, impacting the environment as much or unless they do it in other ways destructive ways directly to the environment uh, but that's another argument about developed countries helping the developing countries so it's what you buy a, a big thing uh, and that's with your diet and all these things. Now, I want to I want to uh, uh, just give you an, uh, uh, something that you may not know. A way of looking at products, and uh, uh, there's a thing called life cycle analysis or life cycle assessment. And this looks at the the overall impact of, of products. It's also called cradle to grave. So it's looking at the entire pro the the, the, the entire cycle of extracting, processing, manufacturing, distributing, using, and disposing of products and its impact on the environment. And I'm sure most major companies, you know, have, have look at this very, very much and try to make it as little as at least impact as they can. At least they should be doing that. 
but that is a very important thing so you could I mean watch what you buy if it's being transported uh, if something is organic but it's being transported over long distances then it may not it may not be very sustainable and it, and it may have a lot of embodied energy as they call it all the energy that goes into the whole use the whole the whole cycle of things and this can you know this can affect recycling and, and all kinds of things so I just want to let you know that uh, that and don't if you see a product and it says eco-friendly or something um, I mean question it I'm not saying that they're lying but uh, but this is the way I think we need to start thinking and I want to mention that it's quite frustrating that um, given the the knowledge we have and we have students and people going into schools and getting degrees in sustainable development and sustainability and environmental science and they can't find jobs and all that and I just can't imagine a lot a world now that that every business and every home uh, should have like a sustainability office um, and thinking about these things all the time energy efficiency uh, and all the, the sustainability and I, I, I mean they have that's getting better I guess but I you know when I was in a city that you know they had one person in the sustainability department for the whole city <laughs> but that's something I can't imagine in the future if we're going to try to solve this that there would be more of that and that'd be a very integral part of every I mean even in your own home you think of that in that way how you can and uh, but every business it's big and small every every one of them uh, I had a funny uh, idea in the future uh, and this would be uh, that if you had an app on your phone that could somehow uh, uh, quantify all the energy you use and your carbon emissions and things and uh, and when you use and everyone was allotted so many so much a day or something and it would run out and then you just like couldn't do anything more <laughs> I don't think people would go for that too much that would that's I can hear them now about controlling people um, let's move on to just some things that as individuals we can uh, we can do and uh, the next thing is something that's very easy to do is to reuse things not recycle but reuse them I mean that's the most efficient way and sustainable way 
And that could be just buying used things, by going to Goodwill or uh, garage sales or, or uh, you know, eBay and, and uh, Amazon and you buy things like that used, but you do have the transport uh, in, in that. But that's, you know, that's one way. And energy efficient appliances, uh, another thing uh, was uh, definitely are, are, are worthwhile. Uh, of course, recycle and, and compost. I'm sure everybody knows about that. If, if you have your own home, after you compost, after you recycle, after you reuse, um, you really shouldn't have uh, much, much left of waste. Um, now then look at your activities. Uh, clearly, uh, you know, uh, and probably the main thing that you could do is they say is to just not drive, but that's hard for people. Um, so, you know, activities, uh, try to, I don't know, do things that have less energy use if you can, if you want to save. Uh, and I want to, I want to talk about another thing that people may not know about kind of a concept and it's called the rebound effect. And to give you an example, uh, let's say that you, uh, you have a car and it gets, bad gas mileage and so you you buy a car that it gets uh, twice as much gas mileage but then because of this you drive twice as much so that's what is like the rebound effect uh, the energy savings are offset by increased use. And this is a, a, like a really serious thing that people do that are they're not aware of it. And uh, I just wanted to uh, mention that. Um, also, you could uh, you could purchase green energy, obviously, and do all these things, solar panels and, and these things. Um, now, another thing that I want to, if you have a home, um, I wanted to mention things that are, that are very easy to do, that can have massive savings. Um, and it's, I don't know, I bought a house, little house, and it had no trees in the, in the yard. And in the summer, that house heated up uh, and got so hot, it was unbelievable. Uh, now, you obviously shade trees, and they take a long time to grow, yes. But I grew some, I, I planted some fast growing trees, and it didn't take long. And the key thing is that you, you and if you can plant those on the west side of your house 
So in the late afternoon, when it gets hot and that sun is continues to beat down, that your your house can get some that that it gets shade at that time. If you could only shade one side, that would be where you'd want to shade it, the west side of the house. And uh, but it's amazing. I uh, I my trees and all the things that I did to my little house. Uh, it, it 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 allowed me to. I really didn't need to use air conditioning even in the summer, even in hot, humid uh, summers. Uh, I was able to. At night, I would have the windows open and fans going. And the house would cool down and in the morning I'd shut up the house and because of the shade trees um, uh, it, it, it would stay cool a long time so five o'clock and so that's a, a way you can do it and then you know these deciduous trees they drop their leaves and then in the winter your house gets some sunlight so it can warm up the house a little bit. Um, and the sun angles usually change so the south the south facing gets the most in the winter. Um, which another thing that I did that my little house you can use passive heat and I had a little a porch and somebody had uh, gl glassed it in glass enclosure that you could take on and off and they were old single pane glass but my house that that porch faced south and it was great because in the summer I mean in the winter on sunny days it just that little porch just heated up amazing and I actually could open the windows connecting to the porch and the heat would come into the house and I could put a fan on and it would just blow in heat into the house. Um, and of course in the summer it's wonderful to sit in a warm sun heated porch. Um, but those are some of the things that architecturally, you know, we can do so many things. Um, it, it's just, you know, there, there is so much, uh, design that makes no sense that the design of, of, of houses that they are oriented to the street instead of nature and the sun and, and, uh, prevailing winds to cool your house in the summer and, and architects know all this stuff. But developers come in and they don't know and they, they just made these, you know, houses that uh, they don't make any sense. They're not environmentally designed. And I, so we can change that, obviously. Uh, I'm not going to go on anymore, but uh, those are just things that you can do. And obviously there's activism. Uh, 
and in the U.S., you know, I, I, there's some politicians coming along, and we got this Green New Deal, and and it, you know, it's encouraging. Um, you know, the thing that I I mentioned Ted Turner, I like him so much, and he gave a, a billion dollars to the UN, uh, and he's working on renewable energy as much as he can. Uh, he's getting so old, people don't listen to him anymore. But uh, I, I can, you know, this world, uh, if all, if philanthropy, if, through philanthropy, if all the, the, the billionaires and the multimillionaires just decided that they were going to help make the world a better place, you know, with all that money that they will never be able to spend. <laughs> that they've got, I mean, not all of them, and many are doing good things, I'm sure. But the wealth distribution we know is such a, uh, an, un, an unnecessary thing that, I mean, what's the point of having money that's going to last your extended families for hundreds of years? Um, it seems a, but if they all went, got together and, and decided, you know, we're going to make, we're going to, we're going to change the world and, and uh, deal with these problems. And uh, I mean, they could do it, I think. Okay, I'm going to uh, stop there. And, uh, you know, I hope the show is helpful to you. It's, it's helpful to me. And uh, I'll continue uh, making these videos as, for as long as I can. And these shows. And uh, I thank you for joining me. And uh, uh, please stay tuned for the next episode of Living with Climate Change. Thank you for joining me. I'll see you next time. Bye.